Welcome back to Into the Light, A Different Life Story, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today, I'm so excited to have another guest with me, and this guest is Lydia Noor. Lydia Noor comes straight from Whistler, British Columbia, um, and it is an amazing place, and certainly a place I one day want to visit. And that's, that, that says a lot from someone who has been around the world and is now living in a fantastic place called New Zealand. And you guys, oh, hopefully soon this COVID stupid thing is over and you guys can come visit us again because life is too short. Make the most out of it and come here. And making the most out of your life, that's exactly what Lydia has excelled in. Lydia is a, is a woman who, like me, has had more than her fair share of trauma and like me, has been a very successful empty wine bottle collector. Um, so that is, and that takes a lot of work. I mean, let's, let's we will talk about that. Uh, yeah. So here she is, but she has changed her life. And she asked yeah. herself this crucial question, who do you want to be when you grow up? And it doesn't matter when you ask yourself this question in your life. It doesn't matter if you're 17 or 70. It is important that you find your authentic you. And that's exactly what Lydia has become a master in. Lydia, I'm so pleased that I've got you here on my show. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's amazing to be here. Yes. And uh, worlds apart, but uh, but kindred spirits, I think, in our journeys. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And isn't it bizarre? Because we all come from such different backgrounds. Some of us have two XX chromosomes, some of uh, us have a Y thrown in, doesn't really matter because alcohol is such a beautiful ninja molecule, such a beautiful wrecking ball. It is the great equalizer. It doesn't care if you're rich or poor, boy or girl or in between, it just wrecks everything. It's great. Wow. <laughs> but it, it's, yeah, it certainly has, the, it has that capacity to do that for sure. Uh, I think the other way in which we're all connected though, Stefan, and I've, and I've actually heard an analogy drawn between alcohol and spirit. And I think we're all connected by our inner spirits uh, on some universal big energetic level. And I've had it referenced that alcohol is called spirits for a reason, because your spirit is hungry for something and it's not being fueled or filled. And therefore, that's where alcohol comes in. Interesting. Worth, oh, worth pondering. What a beautiful play on words and what a beautiful... There might well be more, more to that than we ever know, because we can't measure all these things at the moment, Correct. at least. Um, but you know, where is the harm in accepting that we are connecting on a bigger level? And we see that here. Here we are already engaging in in a communication, in 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 us having a chat, and suddenly already feeling, damn. This is crazy how many similarities there are already. And talk about kindled spirits, etc. But I mean, we both were were different people a while ago. We both were people who who had the trauma. And mm -hmm. I mean, before the trauma all occurred, um, when you were a young girl, uh, how was your life then? Was alcohol playing mm -hmm. a role in your family? Yes, yes, for sure. And, uh, and, and, and I will absolutely jump into that. And I think it's an important point to make and, and what we'll talk about today will, will sort of drive this point home. But what I do want to say is I think we look at our lives, especially when you have a relationship with a substance, 
and it plays a different role in your life at different points in your life. Because now that I, you know, I'm, I'm no longer, you know, drinking and I haven't been for some time, I've been able to look back and say, what role did alcohol play in my life at different points in my life? Correct. So to start with what you asked initially, yes, for sure. It was evident in my family. You know, I grew up, grew up in home, not where there was alcohol abuse, but where alcohol was present. It was just, it was culturally, it was part of our community. Um, you know, my background is Lithuanian and my dad used to say, don't ever marry Lithuanian. They're a bunch of alcoholics, you know, sort of loosely, but, you know, truthfully, you know, it's just, I think culturally, some cultures are definitely more privy to, to imbibe that way. Ours was one of them. So it was something I was exposed to a lot. Um, and therefore, you know, imbibed in it as a younger underage girl and, and sort of liked the effects, didn't like the effects at different times in my life. It was always a part of my life though. Socially, somehow that went with being social. There was never being social without alcohol in the picture. And so, you know, but I I had a very, uh, you know, I wouldn't say nondescript, very average, very loving, very normal upbringing, you know, went to university, got myself a good education, worked in a profession, you know, married a wonderful man, um, you know, had three beautiful children, had a successful life, you know, on and on and on. It was all very blessed. And I remember somewhere around my early 40s, Stefan you know, looking at my life and being afraid to voice what I was feeling inside because my life from the outside was perfect, really quite perfect. And and I I saw that as well. But somewhere inside of me, I'm like, something's missing. There's more I'm meant to be doing with my life. What is that thing? And I voiced it to my husband. He was very open, very accommodating to to the question. And he'd say, well, just figure out what makes you happy. You know, what what does that look like for you? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, you seem to be able to find your happiness in the present moment and in the small, simple things in life. And I just feel like there's more I'm meant to be doing. Yes, I love being a mom. I love being a partner. You know, I'm I'm successful in my career. I have a lot of choices and options about what I want to do. I was a registered dietitian for 25 years and worked in many different capacities within that profession. And some were great. And there was one in particular that really, really caught my interest. And it was working in media. So I found myself with an opportunity to work in media from a stage, uh, radio interviews, uh, print magazines, what have you. And I'm like, ah, yeah, I really like having a captive audience. Okay. So something in here is, is working for me, but very soon, you know, into that part of the career, as much as nutrition and health and well-being were important. And I lived that I walked the talk, you know, I was always eating clean and, and physically active. There was something, I wouldn't say that wasn't authentic in the messaging, but there was something more. It wasn't resonating with me on the level that I wanted it to. So fast forward, my husband's got a busy career of his own as well. He's working his way up to a really, he's in a big position in a company, but a young company that's growing and traveling a lot. And over time, I can see he's getting tired, Stefan. I'm like, I I don't like the, the toll this is taking on you. And in one particular instance, he was traveling to China on business and I remember dropping him at the airport. It was a five-day whirlwind trip and he he was exhausted. And I'm like, are you okay? You know, he said, yeah, yeah, you know, I'll be back in five days. It's all good. Um, this is just sort of the, the grind right now. This is what I'm, I'm working up towards building. It's another year and a half to two years of this kind of pace and then things will settle in. Well, that one and a half to two years never happened because three days later, I got a phone call at three o'clock in the morning that he had died in China. And to this day, I never really got a clear answer what exactly happened, but I can only assume it was his heart that just simply stopped because he was exhausted. And so that shook my world up, as you can imagine. And, you know, now I'm finding myself a sole parent to three young daughters who at the time were 11, 14, and 15. 
But the more interesting thing, not interesting, I mean, death is, it has many layers and there's a lot of interesting things that you can look at over time and say, yes, it is interesting how things unfold. But something that happened for me quite immediately after receiving that news, and I guess because I had seen how tired he was, maybe I wasn't completely shocked at the news. You know, I could see that there was something, you know, something was happening here. But there was this immense, immense gratitude that came over me. Like, I, I can't even explain it. I just felt this immense love and connection to him and this gratitude for everything that we had created in this life. And you got to remember now, I'm this woman who just a few months back was saying, something's missing in my life here. And he's saying, figure it out, do what makes you happy. And now I'm just, my cup is running over with love and gratitude. And in that moment, I know something bigger is at work here in my life. There's, there's the universe is opening up its world to me, or maybe his passing is my spiritual awakening because how am I feeling this way? And I'm not in shock. I know what's happening here. I know that it's going to be a journey, but I also know that I'm feeling this connection to something and I want to explore this in a really big way. So in the months and years that ensued following my husband's passing, I did an, an immense amount of reading about what happens when we die and connecting to, to our, the spirit world and just getting really, really quiet and spending a lot of time in nature. And that was my key. So nature was a huge source of inspiration and healing for me. And what I realized is that when I was spending a lot of quiet time, just being present in the moment, because this is the other thing my husband used to say, just enjoy the moment and then you'll figure out what it is that makes you happy. And so on the heels of losing my partner and being a sole parent and having to pick up the pieces, I realized that when I'm really present and in the moment, I'm not thinking about all that, that's all of that that has just passed. And I'm not worrying about what's going to happen in the future. I realized when I was present in the moment, I was peaceful. And guess what happened? I went, oh my God, that's what I need to do to be happy is just to find that inner peace and, and find a way to covet it and hold onto it and nurture it. And this became that message that I wanted to speak from the stage now, because to me, finding my inner peace told me that this is what you need to be talking about on a stage. This is that, that glimpse of working in media as a dietitian that turned you on. This is the message. Now you got to talk to people about finding their inner being, their inner source, that thing that lights them up and living from that place of authenticity. That became my message. So it, it came on the heels of a tragic life event but it led me to understand what I meant to be doing with my life. So now, of course, this is great. I start going out to stages, speaking my story, doing workshops to, to rave reviews and praise, but I'm still drinking. And why am I still drinking? Because by day, I'm still that physically active move, mover, shaker, doer, strong, <laughs> resilient mom, got a mission, and then <laughs> evening comes, everything's quiet and... <laughs> it's it's my it's my new best friend right it's it's my it's my it's filling that void of loneliness and emptiness and quietness when all the buzz of my life is quiet and so it sort of became somewhat of a companion for me and then as the girls aged and got older and could drive themselves to their soccer practices or wherever they had to go and needed less and less of me it became more and more of that thing that I turned to so I would say at different points in my life, yeah, did it fill a void? Did it become habitual? Toward the end, I would absolutely say it was habitual because I still lived that life of the woman who was healthy, physically fit. I mean, literally, I would go for a run in the morning, Stefan, and I'd say, you're such a Jekyll and Hyde. By day, you are so solid and grounded and strong and you walk the talk and you are everything everybody sees you as. And by night, you're a different person. And it never ugly. Like it didn't turn ugly or brutal or nasty. But here's the thing. People always say, 
what was your rock bottom? What was your moment where you just said, I've got to quit? Didn't happen for me. And I knew it wouldn't happen for me because I had that, that strong, strong, strong sense of self-awareness within myself that it's not going to take a rock bottom. I don't know. It's just something's going to happen one day. I'm going to wake up and say, I've had enough. And I think the enough looked like this. For me, it was knowing that my children have one parent only. And even though now they're all, they're older, they're 20, 22 and 24, but they still need that person that gives them a sense of stability, that person that they can always look up to, talk to, you know, that it's that voice of reason and wisdom. And I wasn't oftentimes being that person for them. So that was my one. And, and the second part was looking in the mirror every day and saying, when are you going to do better? This is the one dark cloud hanging over your head because you've got it together, girl. You know exactly who you are and what you want for your life, but you're not allowing yourself to step into that person fully and completely because you're not living authentically. You're not being completely authentic. That's the one thing hanging over my head. And I literally woke up one day and said, enough, I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm tired of this. You know, I'm tired of having this conversation with myself. And that was really when I just said, move on, move forward, be the person you want to be. And so that's the whole discovering you, your own uniqueness. What makes you you? What makes me me is that person who wants to be on a stage empowering people to live authentically. But I couldn't be that person on the stage speaking to you uh, and to anybody else without living in full authenticity and the truest expression of myself. Many, many people have asked me, why didn't you just dial it back? You've got it together. You're strong. You've proven that time and again. You could have just dialed it back. It didn't feel authentic to me. In order for me to live in the way that feels authentic to Lydia Nora and to serve my higher purpose in this lifetime, it doesn't factor into my life, period. When you were in those dark moments of the soul, how much were you drinking? on the night uh probably for the last two years before i quit drinking i was drinking in excess of a bottle of wine every night mm. bottle bottle and a half mm. exactly. if it was two i was hung over if it was a bottle of bottle and a half i could still function and get up and go for a run the next day <laughs> that's exactly. pretty and, and that, that's really and you know and that's those are all those little things though stefan that are in your brain that you say wow i've really developed a tolerance but that's not cool that's not a good thing no so right. true. But as you say, it serves a purpose. Uh, you were alone. And it's interesting that it gave you something that all the other healthy living that you did, the sport, all the other things did not give you at the time. And mm -hmm. that always amazes me because people say, Oh, no, no, just go for a run. I feel so good when I went for a run. <laughs> there are times in your life when you do those things. And nothing happens or very little happens compared with the dopamine rush that you get from a bottle of wine, probably two, three yeah. glasses. Did you get that uh, moment? Did you get, did you get that warmth going radiating from the inner part of your, of your tummy? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, and the bigger the glass of wine and the quicker I could drink that first glass and get to that spot. I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, it exactly. is, it's, it's, it's like having a shot of morphine or something, you know, mm. just, you know, mm. um, but it's interesting because, uh, you know, I can honestly say I've been in situations in my life moving forward um, socially where I've had opportunity to connect, you know, with people and have a, a different type of engagement, let's say in those, in those quiet evening moments or, or, you know, in place of those quiet evenings 
were still alcohol factored in. Mm -hmm. So there was something that it was doing for me that I I needed or thought I needed or wanted in my Mm -hmm. life at that time. Um, You know, and all the things that I knew in my mind that would be alternates to alcohol that I just said, no, you know, I'm not interested. Those are the things I do now. And somehow they are more than satisfactory and they're more than gratifying and they're more than fulfilling. Why is that? I think, you know, here's the, here's the thing. You know this, you've spoken to many, many people. I know this as well. Until you're ready to make the change, it doesn't matter who says what. It doesn't matter how much you know. It doesn't matter how much logic you apply. Until you are ready to make those changes for yourself, they won't happen. And it is so true. And that's the, the reality of many people who are out there drinking. Uh, firstly, they're drinking for a reason. They're drinking because we all have trauma. We all have got uh, probably not the greatest coping mechanisms and dopamine, uh, the rush of of alcohol or any other addictive substance is so powerful to actually to, to deal with the reasons why we are drinking. So there is that. And then it, it, takes significant things to happen in your life for you suddenly to appreciate that this might not have been the best way in order to bring out the best in you because it numbs you it is it is to think back how numb i was now i don't know what was the chicken and what was the egg was i numb because of the alcohol or was I numb because of the trauma and then the alcohol just filled the void whatever I was I was an empty shell I had completely lost myself I I was doctor 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 work hard and like you I was probably holding it reasonably well together uh during the day not necessarily in the morning with a massive hangover but um I was I was a good anesthetist um the the problem was that that no, it is. It felt like a charade. It felt like a like a lie. I was living. I remember at uh, sort of towards the end of my, my alcoholic career, I was giving a lecture to nursing students, and I uh, was you know being there, bouncing around in the front of the of you know stage stage personal uh, personality came out. Um, and I gave a really good lecture about chronic pain and then pain management for nurses. Yay. And then I walked out and the only thing I could think, what a bullshit. Uh, I had pulled it off. I gave a really good, good talk, but it felt so false. It felt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I went straight to the bottle shop, two bottles of wine. Thank you. Forget it. And that was so bizarre. That was so. I've, I've been there. I think I think what you're saying is something that I've experienced as well. And it's it's really key, I think, for people to, to see this in themselves. I had the same thing happen on one of the last keynotes that I delivered at a conference. And I remember the night before, I didn't have the enthusiasm behind when I was writing it, but I wrote it. I knew I could write about it. It was about resilience. I'm like, I can write about resilience. But I remember feeling like a fraud. I remember the night before, even the morning I got up to step on that stage, I thought, you're such a fraud. It's not that you're not resilient. It's not that you haven't been through hard things. It's not that you haven't come out on top, but nobody knows this part of your life. So you haven't really come out on top. But I think the key is what you're saying, Stefan, and it's part of what's leading you to to this place you are now of sobriety and myself as well. You were very self-aware. A lot of people are in denial. So if you're, but if you're self-aware and you accept that, 
you're not living a life that's authentic to who you are, then you are, that's a, a really big step. And I want to tell you this, you know, we talk about trauma and there's a lot of reasons behind why we do what we do. I can't tell you, there's no, I didn't have trauma in my life. I had exposure to substance. I was, I was surrounded by it in, in my upbringing, but listen, I know a lot of people in my similar community and, and, and stage of life or people that I grew up with who didn't drink the way I drank. So why did I, um, something that's interesting and it comes back to what I think for myself personally in terms of the that whole spirit piece you know and your spirit is is yearning for something I, I saw an interesting interesting talk once and the gentleman giving the talk spoke of alcoholism or substance abuse and he said the opposite of addiction is not sobriety he said the opposite of addiction is connection so people are disconnected either just to, to the world or, or even more importantly to themselves when you're disconnected from who you are it's a way of escaping either who you are or your past traumas, as you say, or just not even being interested in knowing. I think the sad part is I've seen people who don't even know who they are. And I think if they took, did the work to find out who they are, and this is my whole point about discovering you. Yeah. And my platform isn't speaking to people who have abused alcohol. My platform actually came from that that place of being that restless midlife wife, I called it, you know, who was looking for that something more. Those are the people that, you know, I think I really want to target because there are so many out there. And a lot of them will turn to alcohol just because of boredom. They have, they, they don't even know because they don't really, or they're, they're hiding from who they are, or they don't feel permitted to step into who they really want to be because they feel um, controlled or sort of, you know, uh, guided or expectations from other people and who they're supposed to be it doesn't mean that you can't be all of those things especially as women mothers you know, partners whatever but you're not being the most authentic version of any of those roles either until you know who you are it's just it's, it's a crazy vicious circle you know but uh, it's, it there's so much opportunity yeah but uh i absolutely love what you say uh, I would go one step further. The problem is that we we typically, through as teenagers, we go through some quite awkward years, and and you're not sure who you are. Try to find yourself, and then life happens. Now, for many people out there, they have never really left that in that awkward stage. Um, but now life has come with a job and with a relationship and now kids are there and bang, 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 life is busy. And they have yeah. not found themselves. They have not centered themselves. They have no idea what's going on. And then suddenly they are uh, in, a, in a stage in their life and suddenly things start hurting a little bit and they are not longer, no longer so, so I don't know, sexually active or the, everything is fine and everything is hunky-dory when you're young. Yeah, no, suddenly things are changing and that's, uh, I see a lot of people like that who, are, who have never found themselves and who are therefore struggling. So again, you could say chicken, egg, etc. It is the bottom line is it's it's very multifactorial. It's it's the proverbial onion it has so many layers. It's no longer funny. I guess Agreed. That, Agreed. No. Yes, and so and 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 to that point, it brings up a conversation I had recently with one of my children. Actually, again, not children. Um, and I said, you know, my advice to you, and I didn't do it, you know, as a parent. And because I, I sort of carried over a lot of the way I was parented to my parenting, you know, loosened up a little bit um, with another generation. But, you know, I said to my kids, however your kids want to express themselves, 
allow them to, however they want to be creative, whatever freedom of expression, let them be that person. Because ultimately, whatever that turns them on when they're little is going to somehow show up again in their lives. And the reason I say this is because when I started writing Stefan for this book that I was uh, an author in, I started doing some memoir writing, looking back at my life as a young girl. And as a young girl, I used to spend hours and hours in my parents' basement singing, okay? I would sing to these powerful female vocalists, Barbara Streisand, you know, Cher, Olivia Newton-John, whoever, <laughs> envisioning myself as one of those people. So what did I say to you at the start of this conversation? I found my sweet spot on a stage, okay? So I knew I need to use my voice. So my calling in this lifetime is to use my voice somehow yeah. and to use it to empower. And But that was with me from the time I was small, right? But I never made that connection until I started writing. Journaling has been an incredible um, source of therapy for me and learning and growing because I'm understanding more as I connect the dots to times when I was little, you know, and, and where I kind of went in my career when I was lit up in my career and the things that really resonated with me at all the threads, you know, are woven right through. So I say, you know, to your point about, you know, those awkward years as a teenager, and those are probably the most important years to really encourage young people to, to just figure out what lights them up and everybody has a creative side of some way sort of or another whether it's writing or music or art drawing whatever it is there's some creativity in all of us and that's usually the thing that if you honor it and if you can really flush it out is the thing that hopefully maybe you find a purpose in in your lifetime a career in and that will will be that piece that will you know will dissuade you and discourage you from going down the path of, of quieting that voice inside of you down. And if we foster that, if we foster these little budding moments of something, I mean, you don't know what, what which seed really starts to plant uh, or to, to grow. I've planted many seeds with my children. And in reality, every school term, they did something else. It was frustrating for me as hell. They did little ripper rugby. They did um, cricket. They did, you name it, they did it. <laughs> and they did it for about five minutes. And I'd spend, I don't know how many hundred dollars on equipment. And then that was it. Thank you very much. But you do not know what seeds you really plant and what will grow. Yeah. Thinking back in my own life, I mean, I, I was doing lots of martial arts at one stage and that love affair with martial arts remained, remained to this day. I, at one stage, I studied circus arts, um, tightrope, flame throwing out of your mouth and things like that. Good fun. I did that for a year <laughs> and I'm still from now and then take the juggle balls out and actually get a real buzz out of it. So yeah. stuff like that, you don't know what will stick. So parents, yeah. please do not get frustrated with your children being sort of butterflies flitting from one thing to the other. It is what yeah. it is. And yeah. by, by, some fluke of 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 energy something will get, take hold and suddenly will that that will grip them and it might come out when they're 40 and they're forever grateful that you dragged them to these piano lessons and right agreed <laughs> and and you know and that's that that's that that balance that we try and find as parents too you know parents don't be so hard on yourselves because you try you know parents try and expose their kids to so many things or let's say in the case of myself, 
you know, being a Canadian family, you know, in Canada, if you have sons, they play hockey. It's just a given. It's part of the culture. I didn't have sons. I had three daughters. So we looked at each other, my husband and I, and said, we're a ski family. Hence the reason I have a daughter living in Whistler right now. Um, You know, and, and so fortunately, you know, in the summer it was soccer and in the winter it was skiing. And all three did all, and and not everybody loved it as much as the other sibling. I had the one who lives in Whistler now, who was my little, she was my, my sporty spice, you know, she did competitive soccer and competitive skiing, but they're all, you know, it gave them, um, they gave them so many good lessons that, which they can all take away from in terms of team Mm -hmm. sport and individual sport and fresh air and, and being in the mountain air and all of that. Um, you know, I have had them ask me in their adult lives, why didn't you put us in music? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why, why, why? And I'm like, I know, I just, you know, you know, here, listen, it's never too late. That's what I say. It's, and I, listen, beautiful book that I read, which inspired some great writing for me, a book called It's Never Too Late to Begin Again. And I only picked that book up when I was 52 years old. And I thought this is perfect for me at this point in my life. It's memoir writing. It's that thing that allowed me to grab those threads from the time I was small and weave them right through. It's that thing that allowed me to write a chapter and contribute to a best-selling book. It's that thing. So it's never too late to begin again. So you want to you go go take music. I'm not stopping you. Go do it now. Go buy yourself a little keyboard and, and tinker around. You know, I, I understand. You know, but it's also easy for the kids. Parents don't let them throw too many darts at you, right? Because they're gonna be, why didn't you? Why didn't you? You know. <laughs> I mean. I've- I did many things wrong in my life, but exposing my children to various things. No, I didn't do that uh, uh, wrong. And the reality is I had the same. My sons were coming to me. Why did we never go for walks? And, you know, it's so nice to be in nature. And I said, how many times have we dragged you out? And, oh, oh really? There's, oh. there's a door. That's all you say. We've been there, but it's interesting. They've forgotten that. They've forgotten yeah. all the, the things that we put in there. So when they throw darts, just put that big shield up and say, That's actually, it. that shield, can you see it's a mirror? Say, have a look yeah. in there. Yeah. That's yeah. right, exactly. So Good don't point. take all don't take all the guilt. It's so easy for us parents to fall in that guilt trap and think, oh my God, oh my God, I'm a bad parent. Well, yeah. especially especially if you have been drinking, especially if you have been suffering from mental health problems, because yeah. you are, you are not not your best self you might have not even found that person and but it was what it was and i think that is so important to realize it is it was what it was and whatever happened in your past good or bad is has has formed you to the person that you are now and this this launching pad where you are now because you're listening to that because you're ready to change you're listening to that because you feel not satisfied in where you are right now in your life. And that is the most powerful place. You're uncomfortable in your skin. Welcome to the start of your new life. The only thing you need to now figure out, who do you want to be when you grow up? Awesome. You know, and so with the children, uh, again, not children, yours aren't children, mine aren't children. But I think the thing is, they, they do take the lessons away from the journey. And as you say, it was what it was. I have spent a lot of years apologizing, saying I'm sorry. And it's less so probably, Stefan, for my drinking as it is because I'm a sole parent. They only have me. So I felt like I had to be this perfect parent to them all the time. You know, couldn't afford to, not not perfect. I don't even know what perfect means. I don't, I don't think there's a definition that exists for that, but could have done better for sure. Knowing that I wasn't necessarily providing the most stable environment for them all the time, 
that really weighed heavily on me. But the thing is, I look now at my daughters and, and whether they tell me this directly to my face or not, I know from hearsay from other people, they're so proud of the journey I'm on right now. And they've said to me, you know, mom, we've seen you so many times take steps in the right direction, try and, you know, manage the situation for our behalf. But until you really want to do it for yourself, it didn't happen. And we're so proud of you because we see that not only are you doing it just because you want it for yourself, but because you have bigger and more important, a more important agenda, you know, and that's been the motivation for you to make these changes in your life. And if it means that it's going to reflect on how they view alcohol, Stefan, and I think it has, you know, none of them are big drinkers. Sure, they partake, but I think they're very, very aware. And that's okay. If my journey is what makes them more aware of their own consumption, good. You know what? Then I've taught them something. If me being out here speaking and being on podcasts all the time and getting out on stages and sharing my story, getting vulnerable is showing them that it's okay. If me being 53 years old right now and really finally stepping into the most authentic expression of who I am is only happening now, that's okay. You know, who gives a crap that they didn't take music lessons and that they don't remember that I went back to graduate school when they were babies. Like who, it doesn't matter. What matters is, you know, where they see me going. They know that the most important thing in my life is to show up in a way that's honest and real and authentic and to have something that looks like a bit of a legacy. You know, I, you know, you ask, I'm sure you've asked yourself. I ask myself this all the time. What do I want my homily to sound like when I die, you know, or my, you know, my eulogy, you know, who do I want to speak it? And what do I want it to say? You know, do I, do, do, I, do I want people to remember me by that as that person who could could out drink any guy? Like, come on, you know, not that not, not that that's like, you know what I'm saying? Or do I want to be remembered as someone who really cared enough about herself? And that's the thing, right? It's about caring about yourself and wanting to show up as the best version of yourself for yourself. And you, you were you were talking about this this shame and guilt uh, for you, this this little nagging voice that is talking to you about what a bad parent you are, and you always question yourself and those kind of things. I think that is that is such a normal thing. And again, I want to stress that to everyone listening out there, you are not alone with those mm -hmm. nagging voices. But mm -hmm. also, and if you're like, like us who have got children who have seen you in your not so nice times, yeah. that can be a very shameful thing in your mind. In reality, as it turned out with my children, they have become very different people because they have seen me transforming from this empty shell of a man into someone who has got a mission, who has got a vision of who he wants to be and who is still struggling with, with emotions yeah. at times, with uh, my weight, with things where I'm not yet there, where I want to be. <laughs> But I, I am a role model. And they are taking me for that. They are accepting me for that. And they're, as you said, their own relationship with regards to alcohol is very different than it would have been probably had I not been an alcoholic myself. Their own relationship with their emotions, their inner awareness of what is happening, why are they reacting to something? How are they literally a slave to their own reactions rather than actually taking the moment of pause, reconnecting with themselves and then moving forward with the challenge? That 
has made them unique. That has made them young men that are so much stronger than mm-hmm. I ever have been at that that stage in their lives. So how, how beautiful is that? And that would have mm-hmm. not occurred had I not gone through the trauma, had I not been, been the man that I was, that I was not so yeah. proud of. But the past does not equal the future. And Correct. on the contrary, you... I was able to to take the the rubble of my previous life and turn that into a very solid foundation. And that's what my kids have seen too. Yes, shit will happen in life, but you can turn your life around. You are at the helm of this this, this boat. You are the author of your story. That's what I keep Mm -hmm. saying. You have got the choices. It might not feel yeah. like it because at the moment you're rolling with the punches and money is tight and someone has just left your life either through through death or through divorce and you feel betrayed and there is no love in your life and you're you're this crumpy bitch or this stupid <laughs> yeah. bastard. Yes, yeah. that's all you. That's all you. Yeah. But that is you up to this moment. And right. now you're listening to that and say, okay, you've got a choice. Do you want to continue with that? Or do you want to actually think, who do I want to be? Do you actually right want to on. step out of the, the hamster wheel and actually just reconnect? In your case, you chose nature. And there's there's a lot to be said about disconnecting from, from your computer, from your phone, and actually literally completely switching off. Well, on Sundays, I just connect to reconnect. That's what I say. I don't do any technology on Sundays. No watch, no phone, no computer. And that's, you know, the girls call it mom soul Sunday. I'm like, yes, it is. And leave me alone, you know. Excellent. And it's just, it's good. You know, I think everybody should, but I think you're so, I love what you said about your boys. And because that is exactly how I see my girls. They are so self-aware. And that comes from a lot of that comes from my journey for sure. And that is the biggest gift that is already, you don't need to do anything more. That is a legacy that you have mm-hmm. already put down. And that is, um, yeah. yeah, it humbles me that that has occurred. Yeah. But yeah. at the same token, that's quite nice. And is that all? Nah. I've got another 50 years to go. I'm sorry. Exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> so, and, and you made that you made that point. You made that reference to, you know, you're, you're getting closer and closer to that person you want to be, but you're always going to be, you know, uh, learning new things about yourself and, and striving for, for that thing that, you know, is going to make you step more into to what feels authentic about yourself. And so, you know, it's, it's always a learning, growing journey. And it's so, be- I think the beauty of, of getting to this place where you and I are it's so beautiful, the journey. And I, 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 I wake up every day now and instead of looking in the mirror going, you're going to do better today, I look in the mirror and go, I love you. You're a rock star. <laughs> and it sounds corny, but I agree. I agree. It doesn't mean that I don't get bitchy and, and, and yeah. you know, have my moments and that I, I, you know, and that I don't, you know, God knows. I'm 53. I'm going through menopause. I'm so hormonal. Come on. Like I cry every hour, you know, I'm all over the map, but it doesn't mean that I'm not really proud of the person that I'm stepping into and the world is my oyster and the only thing I beat myself up about now is is what why aren't you doing more better bigger and I don't mean you know for for ego for exposure I mean to really make that difference because the thing that makes me get out of bed every day is making a difference in the life of somebody else 
and that's that's what we do uh, at the same token i i found myself certainly in start of, of 2021 i uh, was doing exactly that burning again the candle on both ends and somewhere in the middle going nuts and then having having the spirits life karma uh, humbling me with a number of of challenges and I thought, yeah, right. So back into survival mode in, 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 in the earlier part of this year. And now I'm coming out and actually thinking, okay, okay, who is trying to tell me what here? Who is trying to tell me that I really need to love myself? And that includes also everything in moderation, even my desire to do another show, to, do, to write another book, to do all those beautiful things. Sometimes you just have to give yourself permission to just lie down and sleep, to, to disconnect. But I'm not sure how you, if you then cram everything that you want to do on a Sunday uh, that has not electronic roots, if you then cram everything in there. So I think it is, I'm that, that boomer bust guy. And I think I will be, I will be till the very end. And I need yeah. to manage that. It is. That's, you... that's who you are. And that's part of discovering you. That's your own uniqueness, right, mm -hmm. Stefan? So for myself, I, I know that things will flow very organically for me. And that doesn't mean that I don't have goals and, and, you know, things that I, you know, milestones I want to achieve. But it's also understanding that, you know what, it's, it's, it's going to show up the way it's supposed to for me. And it will, whatever I want to get done in this lifetime, it will happen. I can't tell you whether it's going to happen in the next week or two weeks or the next year or 10 years, but it will happen. <laughs> it is beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. Lydia, it is amazing to listen to you. It is, it is heartwarming that there were some very similar experiences and some very similar outcomes in the way of our thinking and our, mm -hmm. our lookout uh, outlook towards, towards life. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I, I love to listen to your voice. If other people are uh, attracted to what you're saying and want to know more about you, how can they get hold of you? Oh, I hope they do. They can find me on my website at lydianor.com. They can find me on my Instagram at discoveringyou. Um, either of those platforms, you can connect with me. That's fantastic. And I'd love to hear from all of your listeners. <laughs> Look down there into the description of the video and of the podcast. Uh, Lydia's details are down there. And whilst you're looking down there, there's that little subscribe button. So you might as well hit that subscribe button. And then whilst you're there thinking about subscribing, you might as well think, maybe I should tell all my mates about this fantastic show that, that is happening here. No, I'm kidding. Okay, I'm blowing my own trumpet here. But hey, you know, if I don't do it. Uh, <laughs> so go out there and spread the word because I've had, I mean, Lydia, you, you are today interview 175, something around that. Um, it is, I've spoken to many, many beautiful people who have all got their unique messages. And the only thing you guys need to do is to actually look through the, the previous uh, list of, of interviews that are on my show. And you will find things that will relate to you and you 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 might find the answer that you were looking for so it is don't be shy it just it just don't accept your life right now whatever it is like as a given don't accept that okay that's it now and no it is not it is not it's only if you let it be 
But the sheer fact that you're here is you're willing to change. You're willing to find answers. And with that, you are so much further than many others who are in a very similar situation. There's a statistic out there that um, of all the self-help books uh, that people buy, 20% of the books will never be opened. It is just that, that people buy that book and just the, the purchase of the book somehow makes it all come out, out of the book and go into your life. And you don't need to do anything. You just have to sort of have it there, the book. That doesn't work. You are, you are in the right place. You are uncomfortable. So go out there. Take this life by its ovaries or its balls you choose <laughs> and go there and, and make the most out of it. Lydia has done it. I'm doing it and we keep doing it. We are on this path and ultimately we are just like you. We are just a little bit further down that path. We have already taken many little tiny steps of action and we keep doing so. And suddenly you turn around and think, wow, have I come this far? And yes, we have because we are hungry for a better life. We are hungry for this, this, this person that we know we can be. And that makes me, gives me goosebumps because I know it's out there. Exactly. This is, this is the power that we all have. So Lucia, thank you so much for reminding us on, on the, the necessity, on this, this primeval urge need to go out there and find ourselves because only then can we be the person that we deserve to be and can leave the legacy, can leave the, the smile on other people's faces down the line. We can touch them and make them feel good. And that is so beautiful. <laughs> so beautiful speaking with you. You are an absolute soul. Mm. Just a beautiful kindred <laughs> spirit, I feel like. I do. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Lydia. Yeah. You guys Have out there, look after yourself, guys. Look after yourself and stay strong. And you, Lydia, uh, please, I hope that, that we find many more ways of collaborating and make this world a little bit better, one book at a time, one lecture or not lecture, one, one discussion at a time. So thank you so much for coming onto my show. My pleasure. I loved being here. Have a wonderful rest of your day. God and bless you. Same to you. Bye. Bye, -bye.